This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Echo, ask Dr. Steve for a fun fact. The average 190-pound human produces 360 pounds of stool every year. That's a lot of crap. For another fact, please say, tell me another fact. To quit saying, stop. Tell me another fact. Have you ever had a corn on your foot? It's called a helomodorum by your podiatrist. For another fact, please say, tell me another fact. To quit say, stop. I think she pronounced that wrong. Tell me another fact. Hiccups are called single tus by doctors. Transient hiccups can be treated by swallowing a teaspoon of sugar dry, if you're not diabetic. Chronic hiccups need to be evaluated by a healthcare provider. For another fact please say, tell me another fact. To quit say, stop. Stop. Goodbye. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Your show was better when you had medical questions. Hey! I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps keeps the weirdo alternative medicine people at bay. Thank you, Dr. Scott. My pleasure, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who have never listened to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question, you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. Or if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at DRScottWM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. 
Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor. Nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, bogan, bellend, or whatever. We'll explain all that in a little bit. Uh, don't forget stuff.drsteve.com, stuff.drsteve.com for all of your shopping needs. Um, it'll take you straight to Amazon if you want to click through, or you can scroll down and look at all the different cool things we talk about on this show. Some of them more cool than others. But check out stuff.drsteve.com. And... Um, this is the last month we're going to be uh, promoting this, so check out noom.drsteve.com, N-O-O-M.drsteve.com. Noom is a weight loss program. It's not a diet. Uh, it's a psychology program that will help you in other places in your life, too. Well, it did for me, anyway. Everyone else's uh, results will vary, but uh, if you decide to do it, you can uh, do two weeks for free. And then get 20% off if you decide to do the three-month program. It's only a three-month program. It's not uh, like some of these other programs you have to do for the rest of your life. And then check out um, backpain.drsteve.com. And then Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. You got anything on there now? Nothing new. Nothing new, but there's still stuff there? There's still stuff there, yes. <laughs> Come visit. Come visit. How, how, much, how much crap do you have on there? left that you need to get rid of not that much really no we still have some good stuff on there so gvac's favorite thing was stress less yep, right yep. or stress, fatigue reprieve he, he loved a fatigue reprieve i think it was from driving back and forth in yeah. Knoxville all those times so yeah he said it's the one thing the... that made him feel better you know when he was driving back and forth all those because he drove it's like hundreds of miles yeah, a yeah, day he did. yeah so yeah, the complete obstruction of his left anterior descending coronary artery probably didn't help things either, but no. but at least you made him feel better. That's right. And, and he made us feel better. He certainly did. God, I still miss that fucking guy. And look at, there he is up there playing his guitar with a big old grin on his face. Laughing at us. That's um, crazy fools. Yeah. I mean, he had a huge impact on this show, that's for oh, sure. Geez. And I, yeah, I, I really miss and him. And on us, you know. And, uh, well, yeah, well, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. I mean, personally, I was, yeah. yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, man. I mean, great addition to the show. I mean, he was the he was the sanity. <laughs> well, and I have this friend, and uh, I know I've told this story on this show before, but uh, they kind of saw each other at a, one of our comedy events, and they were both interested. They were both single, mm -hmm. and she's v very attractive, and GVAC was, you know, GVAC. <laughs> and uh, she was interested. He was interested. And they were supposed to get together at this gig that we had set up mm -hmm. that you and I and he were going to play at. Mm -hmm. It was going to be our first gig playing out in real life. And then the, he passed away the week before. Mm -hmm. So she has really shitty luck with men in general. And that would just confirmed it for mm -hmm. her. Yeah, that was a done deal. Yeah, <laughs> so bad. Ugh. Anyway, well, anyway, yeah, okay. So we miss him. We miss uh, Fez Watley. Uh, you know, the older you get, that's you, you just end up talking about all your friends that <laughs> you used to have that yep. you don't have anymore. So getting old can kiss my ass, but what are you going to do about it? It's a terrible deal. Yep, 
It is. A, it is. But you know, it's the price it's of, of it. Yep. It's the price of admission. Yep. The price of admission of being here is that eventually we have to leave. Mm-hmm. And you know, in that regard, um, it's like everything else. Vacations. Price of admission, well, you got to pay for it. Yep. But, you know, you get to stay whatever time you had, and then you got to leave. Yep. And then you look at the universe. The universe got a beginning, a middle, and it's going to have an end. Yes. So we are, even if you don't believe in, you know, in whatever, a higher power, mm-hmm. you live in the universe. You are created in the image of the universe in the sense that you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, just like the universe does. Yep. Ooh. Pretty deep stuff. And I didn't even do an edible today, Dr. Um, Scott. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> it sure sounds like it. It sounds like yeah, It sounds like you've been hanging around. Anyway. All right. So you have uh, some news stories that you brought. Why don't you whip those at Yeah, me? we got a, a You couple. can be Robin Quivers today, and I'll be... Uh, a couple interesting ones. They don't even do the news anymore, so we can just take that from them. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, we... Well, we'll see if we can we can cover the the uh, the va- the, the, the I guess the, the uh, vacuum they oh created. My yeah. <laughs> no, my damn. All right. No, I apologize. My sinuses are. Uh oh. Yeah. Just Uh-oh. the. Uh, the um, it is the season. All uh, right, Americans. Okay, you're all right. Oh yeah, shit yeah. Because I don't care if you have COVID because no. I've already had it. So yeah. you can be up here and COVID it up, my friend. Snorting all over you. No, I'm pretty <clears> sure that if. I've probably had it a couple times, just like everybody else. It's yeah. Just, thanks to my, my vaccination, my real shot, I'm doing pretty well. Okay. Sounds hey, good. All right. Americans are using alcohol to cope with pandemic stress. Nearly one in five report heavy drinking. Heavy. What are they, How are they defining heavy? Well, that's what I was looking at. So heavy drinking was described as having had two heavy drinking days in a single week. Well, how are they defining well, heavy? Again? Well, and, and that's, what I, that's what I'm getting to. And, and now they define the heavy drinking day as uh, four um, drinks for women containing alcohol and five drinks containing alcohol for men. Oh, okay. Well, so shit. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. Well, but you know, the funny thing is, and the reason well, I, I brought this up is I read... Tacey would laugh at that. Oh, yeah. She'd be like, oh, shit. That's not even close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the reason... It's amateurs. Yeah. That's a damn... That's rookies. But I was thinking... um I read an article. It's been a little while ago, but in in Britain they they did a study um, talking about heavy drinking. But to them, it was eight pints of beer a day. Nice, right? So I'm thinking maybe we should move to. I to love. England the f- and- I am such an Anglophile. <laughs> I am a huge Anglophile. I know uh, the SiriusXM show doesn't get there, but the podcast does. And um, <clears throat> we, I took my kids the first time I ever took them out of the country was to um, jolly old, you know, the homeland. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to Westminster and we walked and we got there two days after the terrorist attack on Westminster Bridge. Was it the stabbing thing? No, it was the car one. The car one. Okay. Yeah, I remember when you were over there. Um, yeah. And, you know, Parliament was. was shut down and stuff. But, you know, the kids were young and I guess Liam was maybe 12 or 13 and Beck would have been 11 and but what they got to see was everybody just walking around mm-hmm. and there were flowers where the people were getting I, and I said listen what you learn from this is you don't let them change your behavior mm-hmm. you know yep. it, yeah well, there was a terrorist attack here a, a block from our hotel yeah. but we uh, you know here we are anyway 
and uh, they got to see a an anti Brexit uh, march. Okay, which in in England or you know in Britain, the uh, the the demonstrations are a little different than here. They they were holding up signs saying you know EU we love you and stuff like that <laughs> and it was very quiet and calm and and quite delightful and uh, the kids got to so they got to see political action but at the same time we could walk from our hotel to Buckingham Palace and they could climb on the statue of Queen Victoria and uh, you know we went to Westminster Abbey and saw Henry V's sarcophagus and Isaac Newton. And all this stuff, and then at the same time, Tacy's job was doing layoffs. So okay. she, they were, she, her phone was going off constantly while we were there, and uh, she was terrified she was going to get laid off. And then when she didn't get laid off, she was upset about the friends of hers that did. So it kind of ruined her vacation. Yeah, the boys and I still say best vacation ever, and Tacy's <laughs> like that sucked. But anyway, it was uh, yeah. So anyway, and. Uh, I am quite the Anglophile, and uh, I like their very civilized uh, attitude toward drinking and eating and yes. stuff. And, and uh, if you want to watch a great show and learn some um, U.K. accents, watch Love Island U.K., maybe the greatest show ever on television, and except for maybe the great British baking show. Those two are my, are what, my favorites. What's so great about it? Love Island U.K.? Yeah. Well, first off... They have a very different attitude toward cursing okay. in that country. And you can say, you know, fuck and shit and, and, you know, on television and nobody seems to bat an eye. Okay. And there was this one woman named Faye and um, she is, uh, was very outspoken. And when she thought her boyfriend was lying to her, she just laid into him and just you know, F words and, you know, all these curse words and stuff. And uh, apparently they got more complaints to their version of the FCC than any other per, you know, any other time that, that television in the history of television was over <laughs> phase outburst toward, um, toward Teddy. And um, even then their version of the FCC said, no, there were no violations. It's awesome. It's the greatest thing in the world. I don't know why we have to bleep everything out. We're so so prudish and uh, puritanical about language in this country, and they're just so free with it. They're calling people the C word. I can't even say it on this show. No, no. And they're just. And then there's some other cool words that I learned. I learned bell end. Bell end. Not a lot. Okay, so face when the the boys got. You know, they were over in this place called Casa Amor, and they were all making out with these new girls and stuff. And the women had all been faithful to them. And, uh, no, no. and so, the, of course, the producers had to stir things up. So they send this postcard with the guys all oh, making out God. with these girls. And she called them a bunch of bloody bell ends. <laughs> and a bell end, I found, I had to look it up because it was just such a great word, is the end of your penis. Okay. You know, it's like the end, you know, the glands, mm-hmm. the Roman war helmet is yes. like the end of a bell. Oh, my gosh. So bloody, bloody bell. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and knob, it just, you know, and being mugged off. And it just so many great um, just terms that I will use in my regular, uh, uh, you know, in my regular speech now from now on. 
your, but anyway, your vernacular has. But anyway, expanded. so yes, get back to where we were. So the Brits' definition of heavy drinking was much more civilized. It's eight pints. Yep. Yep. Okay. I'm much more along now, the lines of that. The thing about that makes me feel better, these but... kinds of studies, though, <laughs> is that correlation and causation aren't the same thing. So did they show causation? With this, or is it just purely correlation that since since COVID people have increased? And what's the actual increase? Because a lot of times they'll say it's statistically significant, but it's still a very small effect. It's not covered on here, but okay. what, but but I did see before what what they talked about. The reason they did this is was because the alcohol sales have increased in the United States. Yes, and that's the one thing. But I did read that there's been an increase in stomach cancer um, during COVID. What? That they feel is secondary to alcohol consumption. Oh, shit. No, that's that's what I read a couple weeks ago, Dr. Steve. And I'll, I'll look it up while we're discussing it. Well, next. that's a big deal. Okay. But it so is a big deal. Here's NP- This is NPR.org, you know, that great uh, medical journal. Alcohol use linked to over 740,000 cancer cases last year. What? See, that's what I saw. It's, it's okay, the link between smoking and cancer is well-documented, widely known, but alcohol, fewer, fewer than one in three Americans recognize alcohol as a cause of cancer. Similar in other high-income countries, probably lower in other parts of the world. New studies shows how much of a risk drinking can be. At least 4% of the world's newly diagnosed cases of esophageal, mouth, larynx, colon, rectum, liver, and breast cancers can be attributed to drinking alcohol, hmm. according to a study in the July 13th edition of Lancet Oncology. Okay, so I'm not trusting NPR on this one. I'm going straight to Lancet. Lancet. <clears throat> so let's see here. Um, so this is Lancet Oncology. I have to accept all cookies before it'll let me read this damn thing. It says, alcohol use is causally linked to multiple cancers. We present global, regional, and national estimates of alcohol attributable cancer burden in 2020 to inform alcohol policy and cancer control across different settings globally. Blah. I don't like this. No, it's terrible. No. And, I, you know, the thing is... So I would just go, okay, I'll just do I'll just do cannabis, but I can't do that either. Cuz will they check you? No, the I don't care about that. Yeah, yeah. The the last time I did cannabis, I got so frigging paranoid. Mm-hmm. Um I I took it at and this could have been 20 years ago, so everybody just calm the f down. <laughs> but I took it at 2 in the morning. <laughs> And I woke up at six in the morning, <laughs> and uh, the paranoia was just crushing. <laughs> and I couldn't get these thoughts out of my head. And then I kept hearing music down, you know, like a. And I'm sure it was just something knocking in the uh, air conditioning, but my brain was interpreting it as like disco music. And it was like, this is awful. So, you know, so I can't, what, I can't drink, I can't do cannabis. What the hell am I going to do? I guess I'm going to do the Trip app, T-R-I-P-P. Check that out. <laughs> if you have an Oculus, it is the, it's the most fantastic natural high you'll ever do. Uh, let's see here. I just wonder how they are putting these things together. Um, you know, previous estimates of the contribution of alcohol to the burden of cancer have been published, but patterns of alcohol consumption continue to change over time across world regions. Yeah, I, I wonder, wonder what the hell is the mechanism? Um, 
<laughs> and they don't give that, you know. It's still the mechanism. Of, <clears throat> I mean, are these the people cancer. are these people smoking too? Are they yeah. controlling for smoking and other things like fat intake and stuff like that? Well, you know, the only well, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is maybe just inflammatory response, possibly in the stomach, but I don't know about why it would be affecting. That's what the, makes you feel good, though. Yeah, but why the cancers and all sorts of things? Yep, I don't know. Maybe we can well, maybe we can do some homework for next week and find something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says you know we include cancers of the stomach and pancreas in sensitivity analysis due to evidence suggesting a causal association with alcohol consumption in the World Cancer Research Fund classifications, but an absence of sufficient evidence in the IARC monograph classification. So some of this stuff is still controversial. But, um, again, what they do is they'll take populations and they will try to control for all these variables, and then they'll look at relative risk. And that's really what they're doing. And so relative risk just means that, you know, compared to the other population, if the only variable that's different, and that's almost never the case, um, is alcohol drinking, and then there's you know, 20% increase in hepatocellular cancer, you know, liver cancer in Mm -hmm. that group, Mm -hmm. then they'll say that there's a causal relationship. They may not know what it is, Mm -hmm. but the question is, are there hidden variables? Sure. And uh, are they taking pills that are increasing the problem? Well, who knows? You don't don't know. You have to tease all that stuff out. Really, really be careful uh, teasing those things out if you're going to do science with this. But, you know, there certainly is not a whole lot of... um, uh, controversy about it mm. now okay so yeah so here we go we calculated the effect of alcohol consumption on the incidence of cancer worldwide in 2020 using a leaven based population attributable fraction method so we talked about population attributable fraction last time and that's just you know the fraction in the population that's attributable to whatever the variable is that you're looking at And um, they did, you know, so they said globally an estimated 741,000 of all new cases of cancer were attributable to alcohol consumption. Damn it. Okay. So, yeah, we need to do some more research on this to find out how much is too much and make sure that we get right under that line. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, if, and, if, and if we go over, we need to just figure out a way to kind of... Um, yeah, is there a way to... Balance amel- out the... Uh, yeah, ameliorate the... Um, is the there effects. a way to ameliorate this, too, yes. you know, with something? Yeah. God, you can't do anything. No, no, it's terrible. <laughs> this shit pisses me off. You know, I, I quit know. smoking, <laughs> you know, and I started eating <laughs> better. Right, eating and exercising less. and well, no, I wouldn't say I'm well, doing you... a lot of that, but I'm I'm pretty active. Yeah, but uh, I I do like uh, my willets from time to time, mm-hmm. and um, by and by from time to time I mean you know every night. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't get wasted. No, shoot, no. Well, you know, but you know, if you, on the the converse of that is, is there there are some studies I'm sure that it would, would say uh, small amounts of alcohol are good for calming the stress and helping, of course. you know, thinning the blood just a teeny bit and maybe renal function, just kind of keeping everything fluid. Here we go. Drinking up to ten grams per day contributed forty one thousand alcohol attributable 
cancer case. Well, what's 10 grams of alcohol? Are they talking about the alcohol itself? Because, hmm. you know, drinking 10 grams of beer is different than drinking 10 grams of... Yeah. Um, yeah, Everclear. Of corn, right. Yeah. Corn squeezins. <laughs> um, God dang it. Yeah, I know it. We were changing subjects. The highest frequencies of alcohol attributable cancers were in males drinking from 30 to less than 40 grams per day. I got to figure out how they're, what they're, what they mean by drinking a certain number of grams per day. I'm assuming that's the alcohol content. So we got to figure out how many grams of alcohol is in one beer. Let me see if Echo knows that. Hmm. Echo, how many grams of alcohol is in one beer? One can of beer has 14 grams of alcohol. What in the hell? Oh, hell no. Well, I'm screwed. Screw this. Okay, <laughs> next next topic. Next topic. This sucks. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, here we go. Number two. I've got, I've got a new <laughs> We problem. will come back to we this. We will come back to So, So it looks like recently um, um, a, 33, a 33-year-old man noticed over the course of two years an increase in some very strange and peculiar medical issues, including fecal matter in his urine. What? Which is... Well, I already know what he has. Fecal urea. Oh, I do too. I, as soon as I saw this, I knew what it was. Fecal urea and passing a substantial amount of urine and semen from his anus. How did he know that? Well, How would you know that you were passing semen from your anus? He, he, I'm sure he didn't know that, but it's probably when he was having certain, you know, like if he's having sex and things weren't coming out the penis the way they normally were. And they were just shooting and, out his ass? I wouldn't, I wouldn't think no. shooting, but I think dribbling probably. Yeah. Kind of leaking, I would assume. Um, but it looks like after experience, <laughs> but it took, it took him having experienced pain in his testicles for a week to go to the doctor. So he had, oh this, he had this shit for two years. What? God bless him. Yeah. How, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. How, he's, okay. He said so over the course of two years. Obviously, yeah. this guy has a fistula. Correct. Between um, some part of his his genitourinary tract and his rectum. Yep. Bladder and yeah, bladder and rectum. Sure. And it, well, if it was just the bladder, then he's, he shouldn't have semen coming out of his ass. Mm-hmm. Unless he had retrograde ejaculation from some other thing. Right. So now, the question is, what caused the fistula? Yeah. Did he did he have cancer or what was the deal? I've got, I, I do have the answer to that. Okay. But yeah. I can't believe... That he had fecal matter in his urine, and he didn't have an overwhelming infection of the, you know, of the urinary tract. Right. Anyway, well, go it's, ahead. It's very strange. Yeah, and, and, and certainly over the case. Of, this is a very odd case. Yeah, over two years, you would have thought it would have been oh, yeah. substantial enough for him to say, hey, man, I really probably need to have this out. But anyway, what it looks like, the poor guy had a, um, it looks like he overdosed on cocaine and PCP. Okay. Um, and while he was in the hospital, he had a foley cath. 
And, and okay, they, tell people what that is. They don't know what that is. It's just a catheter they run through, from the outside through your penis and up into your bladder to help drain the, you the urine from your, um, your you bladder. Go. Give yourself a bill. Okay. And those, of course, can be kind of uncomfortable, especially if they're in there for a while. Yeah. Um, and, um, and they hypothesized that it was just, just below his bladder. Where they were, where where the there was uh, either an abrasion or a hole occurred or an, an ulcer or whatever, which caused the fistula to go back towards the um, the rectum. Oh my God! Isn't that wild? Well, that's awful. Yeah. So thankfully, they were able to treat it. Yeah. So what they yeah. do? Just close the fistula. Close the fistula. Yeah. 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 Surgery, but but it was a combination of I guess a urologist and probably a GI doc went and and, and closed it up. Well, I got one for you. Boy 13 has two-foot-long electrical cable stuck in his bladder for three months after sticking it into his penis to, quote, find out where urine comes from. It comes from the end of your penis. You don't need any more information than that. No, no. So he inserted the cable cord into his penis out of curiosity. And then he was rushed to the hospital after he started peeing blood three months later. So he must have lost track of the end of it. Dang. And it just retracted into his bladder. Ooh. And he went, well. Guess that's the end of that. I'm not telling <laughs> mom and dad about this. I'm pretty sure I'll be in trouble if they find out. Good Lord. Oh, my gosh. Now. Um, oh, no. Yeah. So this cord is in his bladder. And uh, it starts irritating the wall of his uh, of his bladder. He starts peeing blood. Oh gosh! And they did a successful operation to remove the metal wire, and he's okay. Wow! Poor little feller. Poor feller. Listen, kids, don't no. do that stupid shit. No. Don't stick stuff in your penis. Don't stick stuff up your ass. No. And the, here's the thing: if you stick, some, and this is for the adults out there. <clears throat> If you stick something, let's just say, uh, like a zucchini, and you stick that up your ass, mm-hmm. there are there's two rings of of muscle, and one of them is the external ring, and then there's a smaller or you know a less forceful internal ring, and what happens is is when those things close. The tendency is for the zucchini to shoot up into your rectum, <laughs> right. where you can no longer reach it anymore. It forces up, and then so when you you can stick your finger in there and you can touch the end of it, but you can't grip grip it and pull it back out again. <laughs> nope. So now you have to go to the emergency room and go, "Oh, I sat on it," and everybody goes, "Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this guy sat on it," <laughs> because that's the fiction that we al- that we allow each other to say to each other to save face. Yep. Light bulb. No, No. they will. When you try to get it out, it will break. And now you've got a lacerated rectum. Do not do that. Don't do that. No, don't put anything up your ass that isn't made to go up your ass. Now, you know, a whistling butt plug. Okay, maybe. And I just lubricated. We have a um, we have a phone call about whistling butt plugs. (laughs) Hang on a second. Hey, Dr. Steve, how's things going? Good, man. How are you? It's Danny up here at the Flattest Flute Factory. Hello. Just want to let you know we're still pumping out flutes. Okay. So you can tell, number one, that Danny, the creator of the Flatest Flute, is from Canada because he calls them <laughs> Flattest Flutes and he says a boot. But anyway, let's run that back. You can hear him say a boot. 
About. Just wanted to let you know we're still pumping out flutes. Out. We've got different colors now. we got a new add-on. It's called Black, and the new scent is you can either get it non-scented or scented, and it's called Supermassive. We've got pink. we got purple. we got blues. Okay. Can and, you name um, some other colors? Yeah, I really appreciate it. We also have a timber, uh, $2 off offer. If someone types in the code fluid, fluid. or fluid. weird medicine. Okay. There you go. Very good. Okay, Well, Daddy. thank you. So we have absolutely nothing to do with this. El Zippo. But I find it to be hilarious. I'm not endorsing it. Don't actually shove it up your ass. No. Um, it's a gag gift, so you don't actually want to <laughs> actually do it. But I did allow them to put my likeness on it. And it's got me grinning. And uh, uh, Son of Fritz is a, really an incredible artist. And uh, I've, I've described this before, but it's just hilarious. It's a big hairy ass. And it's kind of in the style of Ren and Stimpy kind of thing. And then there's me as the doctor <laughs> with a big grin on my face because the ass is farting musical notes <laughs> into my face. And I'm... And I'm grinning like it's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> it is the greatest thing. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it is pretty stupid. But, uh, and, and he oh, got Lord. a plug on Anthony's show, and that's on his front page. So just go to <laughs> flatusflute.com, and if you want to use the offer code FLUID, again, I have nothing to do with this. I get nothing from it. I don't want anything from it. These are for putting in stockings at you know at your office well probably not the office but with your close friends <laughs> if you're doing because it, it would this would create a hostile work environment <laughs> if you gave it this as yes, sir. a secret santa gift yes, in would. the office but to your close friends yep. now i did that with tacy's friends um she has a bunch of octogenarian friends and they had a um, um have a um, christmas party every year and I put a bunch of flatus flutes in their in their <laughs> secret Santa presents, and they, it was just funny when they opened it up. I was like, "What the hell is this?" Mm -hmm. So, anyway, that's great. We don't hang out with them anymore. I'm so effing mad at them. It, and what's the date on Bobby Kelly? Okay, so it was five years ago. I'm mm -hmm. still mad about it. April 23rd, 2016. They all said they wanted free tickets, and because they're Tacy's friends, I carved out the middle two rows. Right. You know how many of them showed up? Zip. Zippo. Oh, we're, we're you know, Janelle decided she wanted to have a party, so we're going over. And it's like, you sons of bitches. Yeah. So I learned my lesson from that. If you want free tickets from me for an event, mm -hmm. um, come see me at the event, and I'll find you a seat. Yes. But I had two whole rows that were empty, and I, I had people come in. I moved them up, you know, from the balcony and stuff. So, because, I, you know, that was just embarrassing. Mm, it was terrible. But anyway, but it worked out okay, and that was a great show. Bobby, Bobby, <laughs> he did the bluest set I've ever seen anybody do in the middle of, you know, kind of rural Tennessee in a— in a theater that used to be, I guess, a classroom or something. I don't know, in this place, in this Renaissance-type center. And uh, it was packed, but he was so such a lovable guy mm -hmm. that nobody got mad. 
They all loved it. They were horrified by the things he was saying, (laughs) and they loved him anyway. Now, that is a damn... Can, you know that's a that's a real performer right there. It is it's when just, you can do to that. say what he said to have people still still like him. You were there, right? Oh yeah, hell yeah. Oh my god, it was horrible. It was it was so vile. It was horrible. But he did it in oh, such a way god. that people loved it, and yeah. he was just shitting on people in the audience, and they loved that. I mean, his crowd work was was amazing. Yeah, he's very. You good. know, Voss is great at at crowd work. And Florentine was, did a, an amazing job with crowd work, but I mean, Bobby was just destroying them. Yep, <laughs> it was something else. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Voss was the last one we've had. That was pre-COVID, and then the next year we were going to do it, they canceled it because of COVID. Was Voss the last one we had? We had yeah, one that was twenty nineteen. No, it was twenty August twenty nineteen, okay. and then August twenty twenty th- that one got canceled because COVID was just right. getting cranked right, up right, right, right. <clears throat> right around here, and people were freaking out. So yep. anyway, yep. yep. Jeez, yep. Oh well, Voss was brilliant though, Mm-mm-mm. and uh, I remember the his, Hashem told him it was time to quit because he got a big huge. Lightning bolt behind him. He said, "Okay, that's it. I'm done." I remember that. That's right. Yeah, that was a that was a very good show. Yeah, it was. All right. Let's. uh, Do you have anything else? No, no. There was one story about a kid that put a um, charging cable up his penis. See if you can find that one. You just you just talk about that. No, it's not the same one. Different one. Okay. No, this is that one. Whole different one. Yeah, this is a different one. He put a that guy put a two foot long electrical cable. This kid. I I heard about it on uh, the creep off, which, by the way, I want everyone to go over and listen to the creep off. It's too late to vote for me, but I I think I got sixty seven percent of the vote anyway. And thank you to the weird medicine listeners that went over there and voted for me. But uh, Vinny and Carl, it's Vinny Paulino and Carl Hamburger, and they do a show called the creep off. And what it is, it's a true crime show, but it's a comedy show, and uh, you get to vote on your who you thought brought the creepiest villain to the uh, <clears throat> to the show, and then whoever loses five times first has to spin the wheel of consequences, and that's always something horrible. <laughs> so it's really fun. There's a lot of audience participation in it, but it's also a great show, and your old pal was on there. My episode was called Concrete Enema. And um, on the most recent show, which was about the creepiest person from France, they had this story about the kid putting a charging cable up his penis. Did you find it? And it was knotted. I did. So okay, yeah, the tell kid, us this he, one. He's a U.K. teen. Oh, he's from U.K. Yeah, okay. he had to have a, undergo emergency surgery after an attempt to measure his manhood um, resulted in him getting a USB yes. cable lodged in his urethra. So I guess what he was going to do was take this USB cable, shove it into his penis until it wouldn't go any further into his bladder, and then pull it back out and measure it. Mm-hmm. And that's called your... Uh, insane? Your, well, it's insane. Yeah. It's called urethral sounding. And But what you're really measuring is the distance from the tip of your penis to the back of your bladder. You're not really measuring your manhood. If you right. want to measure your manhood... Get fully erect and measure it from the base to the tip. That's yeah. it. You don't and don't do what Carl says is wrap it around your testicles twice and then <laughs> go <laughs> go just beyond the tip and then that's it. And then you everybody's got a ten inch or twelve inch hog at that point. 
He <laughs> yes. That's not how you do it. No. It's from the base to the tip. Yeah. And use a tape measure on the outside. Yes, of course. <laughs> you don't have to stick anything in. No, no, no. Don't stick anything no, no, in that's it. That's crazy. I can't believe we had two of those stories. The there. only thing that's supposed to happen with the urethra, unless a, a unless a, ur- a urologist is, you know, doing sounding themselves, they do have sounds. Uh, that's what they're called, and it's it comes from. Uh, from nautical term when they would use sounding to determine how deep the water was. Oh, okay. um, But they do have these metal sounds that they can put in there. But um, the only thing that should happen with the tip of your penis is urine or semen should come out. Yes. Nothing goes in. Mm. Okay? Terrible idea. Now, there are some people that like to do urethral sounding for... Sexual pleasure, I'm not a namby-pamby, just say no person to that kind of stuff, but uh, you have to be very careful, and you you need to know what you're doing, and you need to be very gentle, and I just can't recommend it to the lay person. Mm. I really can't. No. Hell no. Because there's just a lot that can go wrong with that. You know, it looks like when he shoved it up there, I guess he kept shoving and shoving and went up nodding. It went from the x-ray. Oh, so it nodded nodded up inside him. Inside him. Yeah. So when he, okay, so the end gets, so it got curled around. The end goes in one of the loops, and then when he pulls it out, it pulls it tight. Yep. And now he's got a knot, and he now can't get he's it back got, out. Now he really has a problem. So now he's he got had a problem to begin with. Right. So he has <laughs> the USB thing. Yep. So it's probably a lightning cable, and then so that's very narrow on one end. But the other end has got this rectangular metal thing, yep. and there's nothing he can do now. He's got that hanging out of his penis. Yep. If he cuts it off, he's in worse shape. Yep. So now he just has to fess up. Yep. So what happened? <laughs> And there is a bloody Mom. <laughs> there is a bloody image of that USB cable on the surgical. Ugh. Yeah. You can tell. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, and that is a lightning cable too. Well, you, that, is, yeah, you yeah. are correct, Dr. Steve. Yeah. Give yourself a bill. Okay, I will. I give myself a Give yourself a bill. Cool, man. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Just don't do it. So he didn't wait three months like that other kid. No. He couldn't. He couldn't because <laughs> he would have he died. He couldn't pretend it wasn't there. <laughs> that other kid could just go, well, it just disappeared. I guess yeah. it's gone. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so Lord. did it say how long it took him to report to his parents what he had done? No, I guess he. it, it wasn't long. I think he crammed it up there and it got nodded up and he's like, oh, I got it. Um, um, I was I was studying alternative methods of uh, computer control. Well, yep. All right. God. Okay. All right. That's you ready insane. to answer some questions? Let's do it. Number one thing: don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right. Here we go. Thank you, Ronnie B. Hey, Doctor Steve and Doctor Scott. I hope you guys are well. If hey, thanks, man. Hey, man. Zach from Oki City. Just had a question about the appendix. What is it? I mean, is the only function is to just get inflamed and kill you? Or have we learned in the past few decades that it actually does something else? I mean, I know that, uh, you know, like... No, it's a great question. Mm -hmm. Well, wait, he was going to add something. The tonsils used to get inflamed all the time, and they would just pull them. Yep, spleen. But then they found out that they actually helped the immune system a little bit. So does the appendix actually do anything for you helpful, or is it... 
Well, you know, people are still arguing about this. It's this sort of thin tube that looks, you know, like a worm, so they call it vermiform. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in the lower right-hand part of the abdomen. So when you get appendicitis, you'll usually have referred pain to the middle of the abdomen, and then it will start to migrate down to the lower right side. And usually is accompanied by you can't drop a deuce, in other words, by constipation. Right. And then you start getting the insane pain, and uh, and it's got to be removed. So, um, you know, for the longest time, people thought that there was no uh, no purpose to it. But um, it, there, it may be, particularly in our ancestors, when they ate some crappy food, which they did a lot. Sure. And then puked and got diarrheal in illness and, you know, then, you know, they got cholera or whatever parasites in the uh, the water that they were just drinking out of the... You know, yeah. they, you got a dead mammoth a couple of miles upstream, and yeah. you're just drinking out of the water because you're too stupid to know anything <laughs> about any of this stuff. Uh, and then, you know, you sort of kill some of your good bacteria. The appendix may have been a repository for beneficial uh, bacteria, so it was almost acted like a probiotic okay. uh, storage oh, unit. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, may have replenished the gut with good bacteria. What about in traditional Chinese medicine? Is there anything interesting about the appendix? No, I was thinking the same thing. It, yeah. noth- nothing at all. Um, nothing at all in Chinese medicine concerning the appendix at all. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's very strange. Okay, that's interesting. Yep. So um, there was a study that showed that people who had their appendix removed were more likely to get Clostridium difficile colitis, or some people will call it C. diff, or Clostridium difficile. Um, And that's a colitis, uh, what we call pseudomembranous colitis, caused by a crappy bacterium that takes over uh, from the good bacteria in your gut and Mm. causes these pseudomembranes and then causes uh, diarrhea that can be sometimes Mm life-threatening. And it's interesting. So people who had their appendix removed had an increased risk, didn't doom them to having clostridium, but they had an increased risk of having having this clostridium uh, difficile uh, infection. Was that right after surgery? I wonder if it was or down the road. And the reason I No, asked, no, no, it was down the road. Okay, yeah, okay. It was down the road. Um, Isn't that interesting? That is kind of strange. So um, anyway, hmm. yeah. So, yeah, so... Th- it, it may help to increase beneficial bacteria. And there are immune system functions in there as well. It's not known for that, but like the tonsils, the person mentioned, and like the spleen, which you can kind of do without, and these are three structures, the tonsils when you're an adult, the spleen when you're an adult, and the appendix uh, you can do without. Uh, may also have some immune function. And so it would be interesting to know whether children, because they're the ones that really are affected by Like if you take the spleen out too early, those kids are really more susceptible to encap- infections by encapsulated bacteria and stuff. Hmm. And, um, you know, when you get older, you can take it out and you do okay. But when you're young, it's a problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, it would be interesting to know that little kids who have their appendix removed, do they have more 
uh, problem with infections. I can't find a study on that. Hmm. But anyway, yeah, isn't that interesting? That is kind of cool. I guess I said that on too many things. Uh, the appendix is involved in maturation of a certain kind of, of white blood cell called the B lymphocyte. And these are uh, small lymphocyte subtypes, and they make antibodies. And uh, so it may be that the appendix has some role in in maturing these things so that they do their function a little bit more efficiently. Anyway, so it's, yeah, it's, you can do without it. Doesn't seem to be a whole lot of effects when you remove it. And the effects that there are seem to be subtle, but they may be real. Sure. So, Hmm. kind of cool. Cool. All right. I labeled this next phone call as WTF, no clue. So let's see Hello. what this is about. Hello to the Motley crew and to Dr. Steve. Hey, man. Hey. Why don't they take the um, the viruses back into the lab yeah. and then create a messenger RNA or strand of amino acids and create and make, make it so when these things engage and lay on top of the amino acids that their DNA is changed and they become sterile? And then they could grow a bunch of that stuff, then they could release it, and it would, you know, oh, God, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, okay. I think, okay, then this guy may have called back. Let's see. Hmm. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's him. Good, good, good. Thanks for taking my call. What if we could create a sterile variation of the virus? Okay, I get where And release them. And then they would entangle themselves with the bad viruses and make them sterile. Okay, I know where he's going with this. Hmm. We don't we don't have a ton of time left. Sure. So, um, so they do this with mosquitoes mm-hmm. sometimes, and I don't know how effective it is, but they'll take uh, certain mosquito species, and when they mate with the regular mosquitoes, apparently the their offspring are sterile or they can't. Yeah. They can't. can't they mate, they, yeah. pr- they mate, but they don't produce anything, right. and it decreases the population. So I found this idea actually. Although I think this guy was impaired the first time he called back, <laughs> but the second time it made total good. sense. Yeah, he good. Um, was that um, if you if you could engineer a version of this virus that was more transmissible, but had no uh, adverse effects on people, then in theory. You could release it into the wild, and it would take over, and it would push out the the Delta variant and the Mu and the Lambda variant, and it would be the new variant, and it would be totally benign. Here's the problem with doing that, is we think we're smarter than we are when it comes to this stuff, and uh, there's no way to know that we could create this you know benign version of the virus that's more transmissible first off how do you do that if you're not making people cough Mm -hmm. but let's just say that you figured it out this benign version that's more transmissible what if it mutates and becomes lethal yeah and then can you imagine i mean we have enough conspiracy stuff going on now that if they said, well, we're going to release this virus into the community. What the hell people would be saying if we did that? So let's not do that. It's actually, the guys had had a great idea. Well, it's a great damn idea. I mean, no, it's, it's, the idea itself is pretty darn smart. We just aren't smart enough to do it. Right. Yeah. And um, I think that, 
uh, we have got to, uh, yes, use vaccines to their the extent that they are worth something, but also uh, we have to have a therapeutic. And molnupiravir is looking de- decent. I'm hearing good things about it. And uh, if it's released and it prevents the vast majority of people who have early disease from going to the hospital, and and if you don't go to the hospital, you don't end up on the vent, you don't end up on the vent, you don't die. Uh, and if there are no adverse effects from this thing, I mean, I, this is a big laundry list of boxes it has got to tick off. Uh, but if it does that, this thing's over. We're done. It's done. We can move on to the next thing, mm-hmm. you know, because therapeutics are where it's at. Yep. And um, the I just read an article somebody sent me at, where Tennessee is talking about reserving uh, monoclonal antibodies for people who haven't had the vaccine. So, and I was like, hmm, well, I wouldn't have gotten it in that case. And I'm telling you, I think I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah. I mean, my oxygen saturation was dropping and my fever, you know, when you're 66 and you got a fever of 103, it sucks. I mean, I really, I I wouldn't have minded if I died. That's how bad I felt. And so in that situation, I would have had to just work it out and take my chances. Now, I had the vaccine. I probably would have been okay. But I certainly was more productive because uh, I had the, um, um, the the monoclonal antibody. Does that count yes. for something? I never took a single sick day. I worked mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I just did telemedicine. Right. You know, I was able to do that. Uh, people who can work from home who have that and they feel fine, they just have to be in isolation, um, you know, they can continue to be productive. So I don't know. I mean, yes, we have to save lives, and uh, but I know, and then I know there are people out there. Well, you're just rewarding, you know. It's like, okay, you know, if someone is that sick and they haven't had the vaccine, now is not the time to say I told you so. No, but anyway, so it's it's tough. Jesus, you know, everybody's just mad about everything. Yep. So all right, okay, doke. Uh, let's see. Okay. This is interesting. Uh, Now I don't think we have time for this. No, we don't. This is 12 minutes long. We're going to have to do this next time. Uh, One of my buddies uh, sent in a uh, a 12-minute story, but I do want to do it next time. So let's do this one. I can do this one really quick. Hey, Dr. Steve. Tim in California. Uh, After skipping my annual checkup last year, I went back to my doctor this year. I turned 45 this year. Um, and she said, uh, hey, you're due for your colonoscopy, which I thought I wasn't due till 50. She mentioned that they changed the guidance on that. Indeed, they uh, did. I confirmed that. Give I was yourself just a bill. Your thoughts on that and what uh, evidence is behind changing that guidance. Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, so American Cancer Society research have been observing that the risk for colorectal cancer has been increasing in people born more recently. And it's called a birth cohort effect. And people born in 1990 are over four times the risk of developing rectal cancer and double the risk for colon cancer compared with people born in 1950. So it may have something to do with our diet, but it may also have something to do with HPV. There's all kinds of stuff like that that's, uh, that's you know, running around that can cause an increase in this um, 
but it, right now it's just a statistical thing. So if you're 45, you need to get your first colonoscopy. Or if someone in your family had colon cancer at 45, you need to get your first colonoscopy 10 years before that. Right. So that would be at 35. 35 right. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, that has changed. And, you know, it's just part of being in the modern world. Uh, science evolves and the statistics are showing us that if we want to prevent people from dying from colon cancer early uh, early detection is the key correct and early detection means getting your colonoscopy earlier get it all right thanks always go to dr scott we can't forget rob sprance bob kelly greg hughes Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ovcharsky, Chowdy 1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte whore, and the Saratoga skank. Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, she who owns Pigs and Snakes, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, Steve Tucci times three, the great Rob Bartlett, Vicks Nether Fluids, Carl's Deviated Septum, Casey's wet t-shirt, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, daughter, Ron Bennington and Fez Watley, the great Fez Watley, who will be missed from now until the end of time, and our friend GVAC, and I guess they're hanging out together, whatever, doing whatever they do after you leave this mortal plane. Who's all of those who supported this show never gone unappreciated. Listen to our Sirius XM show on the Faction Talk channel, Sirius XM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, but on demand because I don't even think those times are right anymore, but other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks, Dr. Scott. Thank you, Luke. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.